0: Hmm. 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 No pressure. Chirp, chirp.
1: I'm, gonna, I'm just. <laughs> I'm going
0: to use that. I'm just going to use what we just said, all that, all that silence, uh,
2: as the intro. I'm. I'm actually not kidding. I'm going to. Okay. Hey, it's your podcast, man. Yeah. It's not like we listen to them. <laughs>
0: Hello, I am your host Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations episode 48. Brought to you by AcmeScience.com. On this week's episode, me and my guests discuss what we are truly experts on: pseudo-mathematics. Between how to trisect the angle and double the cube, we also put in some real math. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that is coming to you from the Las Vegas Valley area, specifically the extra bedroom in my apartment. Because, you know, that's a, that's the place where you're supposed to record podcasts. And sitting here with me in uh, robes and pajamas, I have two guests. Uh, first up is a first-time returning guest. That would be Eric Everstein. Good job. Hey. Whose name I actually can pronounce <laughs> on a first try for once. You're one for six now, I think. <laughs> no, I think I'm t- three for 14. Okay. i uh, yeah. Which is slightly better. It's a low batting average. Yeah, it's a low batting average, but it's a batting average (laughs) that's above zero. And next up, we have a uh, brand new guest whose name I probably will butcher. And this is going to be our second undergraduate. Not really. It's like our seventh or eighth. But I'm going to call him undergraduate number two because that sounds slightly dirty. John Nahra.
1: Yes, hello. Um, I just want to say that it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I hope I will uh, you, use you, your audience. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you can. You can tell that he has never listened to this and never been get, even really
2: near us. A- get him a joint now. <laughs> a line. <laughs> <You> <laughs> a n- goat.
0: <laughs> what? Okay. The other three I understood. That last one just makes no sense. Why a goat? What would it? What would a goat do for you, Sean? um goat cheese goat cheese is good i, I very much like it. the human body is actually a lot more able to uh process goat's milk products really? than it is cow's milk hmm. it, it turns out that biologically it's uh much uh better for our digestive tracts
2: unfortunately goat milk tastes like ass so
0: straight goats milk. i don't really like cow's milk myself okay I mean, neither, but goat's cheese is fantastic. Well, so uh, actually, I, I hate
2: goat's cheese. I goat's milk is all, Like, all
0: of them or just... You're just thinking, like, a feta. I mean, or are you also saying, like... Because they make goat's, uh, goat's milk cheddar, which is really? just tastes like cheddar.
2: Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look into that more.
0: Yeah, you will. <laughs> God damn it. Eric Ever... Stein... <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that was correct. Yeah, I got it, it Okay, me, Like five I, I, seconds. I thought you were so... trying to remember which one was the wrong pronunciation. Uh, no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> That's Steen. Like, I definitely know in my head that Eversteen is wrong. Okay. It's just really hard for me to remember Everstein.
2: What would any other pronunciation be if it's not Steen? It, it, like, Steen is the only one my brain wants to remember. Stoon. <laughs> it's I-N-E. Eric ever fuck you. <laughs>
0: That's the other pronunciation. You know, I never think I never thought I would say this but I miss Brandon. Oh, you're the only one. <laughs> Brandon, uh, if you happen to listen to this on your cruise, uh that's right, he he's will on be a on cruise? a well, he's not on a cruise. He'll be on a cruise when this is actually he'll probably be he'll be back here when this episode is released. Okay. Uh this I mean this is Uh, we're recording a bit ahead of time because I'm going to be taking a trip to Spain, which I mentioned at least one, if not two, ago. And so if we have any listeners there, remember, send me an email at samuel.acmescience.com. I would love to actually meet one of the listeners who is not also on this podcast. So on combinations and permutations, what we do is we take some sort of mathematical topic. We take some sort of mathematical topic and we kind of sort of try maybe every once in a while to talk about it. And so, this week's topic is one that is very near and dear to my heart. Sabermetrics, pseudo mathematics.
2: <laughs> you mean what my students do in all their tests? <laughs>
0: exactly. Okay. It, it's pseudo mathematics. Now, uh, I mean, I have to pull a basic definition for this, but I think I can actually give this definition without dragging it from Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> uh Pseudo mathematics is uh, mathematics that is done to look. Like it's rigorous and actual mathematics, but fails to meet uh, any standard of rigor that is
2: known within mathematics. Okay, uh, right. what, what, what? So, so like the proof that uh, women equal evil, or one plus one equals three, or you know, whatever. yeah, and those, one equals two. I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, those are extreme cases. I mean, that one one equals two is one of the you know very bedrock examples of sure. pseudo mathematics. Sure. I mean, because if you. Uh, pick and choose the axioms you're going to use and which ones you're just going to completely disregard, you can make one equal two.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, It's really not that hard, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's obviously complete bullshit because mathematics is an axiomatic system that kind of relies on one not equaling two. (laughs) Right? I mean, am I I wrong there? Does that that make sense to people?
2: I think it'd be more fun if you could let one equal two. You could Why? Come I mean, up with some pretty crazy stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm sure you could. Some some really crazy stuff, like one also equals three trillion, <laughs> which would be nice because then we could pay off the uh, debt with a one dollar bill. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Let me get
1: that mathematics. Where's the, <laughs> that stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, yeah. like uh, <laughs> didn't you know? I can prove to you that this one dollar bill can uh, buy me
1: that Ferrari. <laughs> Well, you're the mathematician. There
0: you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if only uh, our ability as pseudo mathematicians uh, would work for real financiers. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, take an example that is on Wikipedia, just a, a, a bigger example than that that really okay. shows it. Okay. What if I cover the screen? What happens? Uh, <laughs> the theorem is all positive odd numbers are prime. Okay. Which, I mean, we know that is not a true thing. Like, I mean, 15 oh, what? is a positive odd number that is not prime. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you do, it's an inductive proof. Okay. Uh, obviously, the fault is going to be in the induction, but it's up All to right. you guys to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let P equal N where N is a prime. If you let N equal 1, then N is in P. Since N plus 1 is also in P and n plus 1 plus 1 is np. Skipping those divisible by 2, all numbers are prime, except those that are divisible by 2 due to induction. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with that? It sounds good to me. I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> 1 is not a prime number. Uh, agreed. And uh, the main problem is that it, it never really... Nails down a proper inductive step right like, i mean that's it's saying if n equals one then one is prime right uh, but Meaning two, and two and three are prime two and three are also prime, but, but the problem is you they, can't take the next step. right yeah you can't you can't take an arbitrary element of the set and then show that that plus two is prime or that plus one is would be prime, which is a i mean that 's why that's pseudo mathematics because that's skipping over the actual. The actual hard part of an inductive proof, which is the arbitrary example, not the initial example. The initial example better be fucking easy, otherwise, how are you going to do it? So, I mean, I, other than like one equals two, can I? Do you think of any other, you know, basic examples of pseudo mathematics?
2: Um, yeah, every time I give a test, um, they have to work out a probability. And they'll come to like five million seven hundred forty-six thousand, and then they they just go okay, so it must be point five four seven then. <laughs> so the probability is fifty-four point seven percent. So that's pseudo math I see every day.
0: <laughs> like in in what case? Like what probability are they? Or like what's what when they're writing down their work? Mm-hmm. What seems to be their thought process? Like what the thought can, process
2: seems to be? I should do it this way. I should do it this way. Okay, I have an answer that's five million. That seems wrong. However, an answer that's like point 0.5 seems right, so I'll just put a decimal point there. That—that's their thought process. What about you, Sean? You—you you do
0: a decent amount of tutoring, so I imagine you see at least cases like that decently often.
1: Oh well, um, yes, in my nightmares, but also <laughs> in this one woman I am tutoring, um, who shall we name? Uh, oh yes, li- we nameless, don't name yeah. names, no, absolutely no. unless
0: they're people who've been on this podcast. Or
2: L Simpson, or no, that's too obvious. Lisa <laughs> <Yeah>. S. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's uh, let, let's call her Justine. Time. Uh, <laughs> so so I'm teaching Justine the uh, the the very rigorous uh, uh, algebra that is algebra one in high school. Yeah, quite complicated. And every time I want to uh, tell her that x plus y is not x y, she seems to. Be covering her ears, even though she's doing it so quickly, I can't see them. Or perhaps she is, uh, you know, thinking of, you know, the Jonas Brothers. I'm not really sure what she's thinking. But when I tell her x plus y does not equal x y, she seems to disregard that and just put x y every single time. So
0: the, the pseudo math in this case is that addition equals multiplication, <laughs> uh, which. There is a little bit of grounding because multiplication is
2: just repeated addition. Right. And two plus two equals four. Two right. times two equals four. Oh, yeah. Therefore. There we
0: go. That, that one has actually, I'm sure, shown up quite a few times in like the all odd, like that all yeah. odd thing. So in that one case, you know, addition is the same as uh, multiplication. So therefore, by induction, right. it's always true. So honestly, if she would give you that proof, you would see the error of your ways.
1: Uh, well... <laughs> of my ways, yes, of my yeah. Ways. That your way is wrong because right. she could prove it
0: inductively. Right,
1: right. Okay, so even though my way is the correct, mathematically uh, rigorously tested, you know, derived from axioms, blah blah blah. Oh, but, but, but Yeah, my way. Yeah,
0: no. yeah. <laughs> no, the main the main methods of uh, pseudo mathematics uh, are either. Uh, attempting to prove something that's already been proved is impossible uh, is possible or trying to disprove a proof that is already known and uh, accepted. And then the other one is just completely uh, misunderstanding how mathematics works, like that induction and just claiming that you can do other things or uh, similarly in that case uh, claiming that the use of advanced mathematics uh, is cheating. (laughs) So, like the use of complex mathematics in order to solve, say, a uh, differential equation, or you know, complex analysis in order to solve a differential equation that is unsolvable using traditional means, uh, means that that's unsolvable completely. You're not allowed to use that other thing.
2: Uh, I think uh, there's also a lot of pseudo mathematics surrounding the Monty Hall problem. Oh
0: yeah, which man that gets brought up a lot. But like, what what do you see? I mean. That I mean, probability is one where pseudo math is is everywhere. No one really seems to understand probability. I mean, until what sixteen until the sixteen forties and Pascal and Fermat. Pascal, yeah. uh, no one had a decent grasp on it at all.
2: Well, I mean, isn't the reason probability came about that uh, people wanted to. Have a rigorous definition or way of looking at their gambling games. Yes, I mean, it was. Probably I mean, comes from gambling.
0: I, I, Guillermo Cardano. I want to say uh, he was he was the forerunner of that. He started enumerative prob- uh, probability, and it, he did he had done some really good work, but he had still missed complete enumeration, which was actually Fermat Pascal's method was flawed, but Fermat it decided to use combinatorics essentially and showed that oh, complete enumeration works. <laughs> But yeah, so the Monty Hall problem like what is sort of pseudo math? Have you seen
2: dealing with the Monty Hall? Um what sort of pseudo math have I seen? I mean, well, you know, I, I deal mostly with the students I teach um and that's introductory math for non Math, non-engineering yeah. <laughs> majors. So mostly it's just, not uh it's got to be one half. <laughs> you know, that, that's, okay, so, that's the extent so of So it.
0: it's not that, it's just that they refuse to go against their intuition.
2: Some do, or some like they nod their head, but you can see they're like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I do know that, I think that's a problem that even like math PhDs and a lot of people come up with proofs constantly trying to say, no, this it's really just one half. Oh, yeah. Um, Lots of people don't want to accept it.
0: Yeah. Math PhDs for a long time refused to accept it completely. It was uh, when they decided to extend it and go to like the thousand-door Monty Hall problem or the Mm -hmm. million-door Monty Hall problem that people started to understand it a bit better.
1: If we could go over the Monty Hall problem. Uh, You can go
0: back and listen to the episode that we did on it. There's an entire episode that we recorded on that. I might explain to you off the air. It's just we we talked about like two episodes ago as well. So if we continue talking about it, but it has to do
2: I, I, with I can give goats. a twenty-second okay, recap of it. Uh, Monty Hall is a um, game show host. Game show host. Yes, he has three doors. Oh, stop right there.
1: Stop okay, right there. you know,
2: right. remember it right now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so I I think you should be a math major without knowing that.
0: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about uh, the three longest-standing problems that pseudo mathematicians have been uh, trying to say that they have proven. Uh, it's for easily two or three thousand years at this point that people have claimed that they can do this, uh, and they're all geometric. Does anyone know what they're going
2: to be? Um, um, let's see. Trisecting the angle.
0: Trisecting the
2: angle is one of them. Uh, squaring, squaring the, the cube. cube, or cubing the sc- cube, whatever. Uh, yeah. sc- cubing the circle. Squaring the circle. Squaring the circle, the circle. Squaring the circle is <laughs> the second. And what's the third?
1: And given a length of uh, side, given a length of side s, find. The volume uh, that it takes for that uh, mm-hmm. for a cube using that length. of Okay, S.
0: no, not quite. Uh, it's uh, doubling the cube. Doubling the cube. So constructing oh, a cube, yeah, double size. Right. So let's uh, I mean it. Let's start with uh, squaring the circle. Now, squaring the circle literally means uh, it. What I mean, it's what exactly is squaring the circle? Uh,
1: given a Radius? No, I'm sorry. Given a uh, a side of a square, call it s, find the radius of a circle uh, that has the same area as the uh, square with side s. I
2: understand yeah. going the other direction. I, I yeah, it's it's usually in the other direction, but good. it
0: is equivalent. Okay. So usually you start with a circle and you try to construct, construct a, square a square with the, the same, same area. area. With compass and unmarked straight edge. Right. I mean, we should point out we're, we're in the world of Euclidean construction. Or at least what we understand, what they understood as just construction. They didn't feel the need to put Euclid's name in front of everything back then. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of a. It's weird like how thing. they
1: call you know, Chinese food in China just food. <laughs> <laughs> They're wrong. They're really wrong. Like,
0: no, no country just has food, as far as I'm concerned. In in the United States, if we, if you go to a uh, kind of place that has what's considered American food, it's usually either American food or diner food. Like, there's always some some term in front of it. Maybe it's because we have so many, you know, ethnicities of food in this country, though. Maybe. Even in the tiny cities, you can get like five different ethnicities worth of food.
1: <laughs> just five. Wow. Or, yeah, I'm,
0: thinking, I'm thinking I'm of the town I grew up in, which is about 2,000 people. Man. I meant tiny. Okay, so squaring the story. This was uh, finally disproved in 1882, which is kind of amazing considering that this is something that the uh, Babylonians were trying to do. So, I mean, that problem lasted for a long time. I mean, it was Lindemann and uh, Weierstrass
1: yeah.
0: who uh, finally did it. And uh, the way they did it was... Um, If you have a circle of radius 1, then the area is what? Uh, Well,
2: pi r squared, so So pi. pi.
0: Yeah. And uh, that would mean that the length of the side of the circle would have to be? Uh,
1: The square root of pi.
0: Square root of pi, which is a transcendental number, which shows that you can't do it. Well, um, you can't construct a transcendental number.
1: From non-transcendental yeah. numbers, right.
0: Yeah, so with the compass and straight edge, you cannot construct a transcendental, Did, something of transcendental length.
1: Had they proven that uh, pi was a transcendental number? Back that then? was
0: the proof that showed ah. that pi was a transcendental number. And so because of that, it just the squaring the circle just fell over.
1: Did they know also that uh, the operation of squaring didn't get you out of the transcendentals?
0: Uh, I think that they I think that they knew that when they finally defined transcendentalism. Oh. But I I mean that's that's not a question that I'm necessarily uh going to be able to give. Now there's been a book uh written on this uh literally of people who have been trying to solve this problem and it's just uh, some of those things were the most ridiculous crap and sadly I can't remember any of them and this Wikipedia website doesn't have any of them on there. Uh now I uh, I I I figured that it did. I didn't read this while I was preparing quite well enough. Uh no, someone can explain uh, the idea of uh angle trisection. I mean, that's kind of built into the name, but just kind of go over what the problem itself is.
1: Just take any angle and uh any angle um, two ro- two rays emanating from a single point and uh finding the uh I'm sorry, not finding but uh Taking that angle and splitting it up into three equal parts. The, the gist of it. And why is that one impossible? That one is impossible. Oh, jeez. Sorry, Dr.
2: Berger. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a whole month ago. Uh, man. It
1: ah, okay. Um, it is impossible because when you take... Algebraic extensions of irreducible polynomials. It asks you to find the root of a ninth-degree polynomial, which in constructions is na. No, no, yeah, ninth, ninth degree, ninth-degree polynomial, which is. The root of which you cannot. (laughs) He's doing better than I
2: would.
1: (laughs) The root of which you cannot construct in uh, normal constructions, I believe.
0: Okay, uh, so I I actually found the book. It's called Mathematical Cranks. Uh, It's by Underwood Dudley. Uh, And the best thing about it is the entirety of the text is available on Google Books. (laughs) So if you want to know about mathematical cranks, now these are the worst pseudo-mathematicians essentially ever. Um, and one of the first mathematical cranks was Hippias of Ellis, uh, who claimed he had constructed a quadratics a curve that can be used to square the circle. Uh, this was 400 BC, before 400 BC. And uh, it's a geometric construction that obviously fails quite bad but there's people who've uh, uh, claimed if from what I can remember when I had a teacher explain some of the crank work to me uh, a lot of these people literally just claimed that oh uh, I can you know put out a distance of exactly pi with my compass I can just do it It, 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 which is insane
2: I I think uh, I think you could do that you draw a line that's say four (laughs) and the distance of pi is in there somewhere right (laughs) No, of exactly. Yeah. Well, the length. Just exactly, pi is in there somewhere.
1: What are, What are the probabilities of drawing any particular line and having that line be the length of pi? I'd
2: say it's probability zero.
1: I I'd say it's actually
2: yeah, a it's
0: probability of three hundred forty nine. Okay. Okay, seriously, that, you guys can laugh out loud. At least, at least Sean was giggling at that. Eric thought it was stupid. Uh, now, the, the other one was uh, doubling the cube, which is another construction. This time you're doubling the uh, volume. You're trying to construct something with exactly double volume. Uh, and that one tends to fail because uh, the cube root of 2 is non-constructible which is you, you would need the cube root of two in order to construct the base case, essentially.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, those are those are well, the... Well, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm wondering if perhaps we should explain some of this a little more, because I'm imagining your audience out there, and then there's people who know this stuff, in which case we're not telling them anything, and then there's people who don't know this, in which case they're like, oh, cube root of two is not constructible. Like, what the hell does that mean?
0: Uh, well, we have we have talked about oh, okay. non-constructible Pre, or at least undecidable, which is very close to non-constructible. Okay. But, I mean, you, explain what non-constructible means.
2: Um, I think uh, Sean wants to take that <laughs> one. <laughs> you, you, I'm never <laughs> inviting you back to the show. I'm just never going to do it. <laughs> all, right, all right, do you want me to stumble through what I no, can No, 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 that's fine. I'm, I'm sure
0: Sean will be able to do it much better than
2: you could anyway. I agree. Go, go for it, Sean. Uh, uh,
1: given uh, a compass and a straight edge with no notches, Uh, if you arbitrarily uh, make a unit length of 1, then with that 1, you can keep doing successive lengths of that 1, giving you 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1. So any integer, basically, given your arbitrary length of 1, we can make constructible. Um, We also uh, can divide... No, I'm sorry, we can also multiply giving uh because multiplication is just uh, a long form of addition. So we can multiply and add any integers. Also, uh division, division is is tricky, but from what I can remember, any any division is possible because it's simply just one integer um divided by another integer. Yeah, all rational numbers are constructible. Right, so all rational numbers are constructible. And this is uh, something that blew my mind. Any constructible, uh, given any constructible number, you can find the square root of that constructible number. So any square root is possible. And this is, uh, you you can do this by drawing a circle, uh, finding the diameter, and then uh, dropping a perpendicular uh, from the from the from uh, from the circle to the to the um, to the diameter, and then using triangle uh, not triangle inequalities, but uh, using uh, triangle uh, not equivalence, you can prove that this length was the square root of uh, yeah. of the of some ar-
2: As long as the perpendicular is, I think, length one away, right? Yeah, 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 but I mean, but that's
0: that's the basic idea of constructability, yes. right? So, yeah. so
1: things, so things we can do in constructability is when when we're given the unit length of one, we can we can do addition, uh, subtraction, multiplication, division, and we can even find square roots, which gives yeah. us a pretty uh, a pretty good chunk of uh, numbers from the real number line that are constructible.
0: Yeah. Um, now, I mean, it just back more into the it just idea of pseudo mathematics. Um, it one of the things uh, that has actually popped up on a few of the things I've read about is that um, this is actually not directly from Wikipedia. This is literally something that's popped up oh, many so I can times. Hover the screen and yeah, you, you could. Okay. Yeah, here, yeah, look. Uh, <laughs> uh, one uh, one of the things about a lot of these, a lot of the pseudo mathematics is it's not just that they're not right. And then that's that's part of it, but they're not wrong. They're not even wrong. It's so bad that they're not even wrong. They have nothing to do with anything. Like one equals two. That's not. That's. I mean, if you put yeah, that on. on, on what and the what axioms a, you want to accept. Yeah. What, like, yeah exactly. So it's, so it's it's not yeah. even wrong, really. It's sure. just it's. It's nothing. It's useless. It's complete and utter bollocks. It just, well, it just doesn't follow the axioms of mathematics. It's just yeah, a different model, which means that in right. mathematics, it's not right and it's not wrong. It's just, <laughs> it's something different. It's right. separate, right. and uh, and it gets it gets even worse uh, when uh, the Wiles uh, Fermat Last Theorem mm-hmm. uh, proof was done. Wow. Someone just claimed that it was wrong because it was too hyperbolic. <laughs> I like that Just disproving
1: real math with pseudo math. Uh.
0: Yeah, 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 it's just like oh no, it's too hyperbolic. One of the biggest times that it happens is with Cantor and Girdle. Uh, Cranks oh, don't, love
1: started with the history of that. Oh, oh no, man. no, we
0: we literally just covered that
1: last episode. You should have brought me on that episode <laughs> that day because uh... you do you hate Kroniker? I hate. Kroniker, I hate uh, Poincare even though he's awesome. Poincare, Pion- I... excuse me. <laughs> bitch,
2: I mean Poincare.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He doesn't. He 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 does not deserve my correct pronunciation. Uh, and of you, his name. you
0: hate Wittgenstein too, then don't you? Oh, just it's it's bad. It, See, I don't actually detest Wittgenstein because he came from it from a philosophical side, and I can understand his issues because he he bitched out everybody. He ended up. Bitching out himself multiple times, he just literally hated everyone. So I can kind of understand his viewpoint. But kronecker was an
1: asshole. Oh man! Yeah. Uh, but,
0: but it turns out that a lot of other people are assholes too. Really? There, there's uh, are assholes to Canter to this day.
1: To this, I'm. I'm sorry, you
0: blew my mind. Yeah, to it's, this it's, day, it's all proven. If you go on uh, the archive, I mean, I'm assuming that you know what the archive is, right?
1: I will. We'll talk.
0: Okay. Uh, but I mean, if, if you go on the archive, uh, ARXIV.org, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a free storage, essentially, for any academic paper that you want, but they don't have to be published. And there's an entire, essentially, crank Cantor bitch session on there. And there's hundreds of these papers of just people who are bashing Cantor and who uh, claim that they have completely disproved uh, what Cantor has done. Which I mean, you gotta you gotta really love it. Uh, one of the ones, one of my favorite places to go to look at pseudo math, uh, more specifically, just called bad math, uh, is the blog Good Math Bad Math. Have either of you ever seen that? No. no. Uh, it's uh, Mark Chu Carroll. He's a PhD computer scientist. Uh, he works at Google, mm-hmm. and he publishes uh, mostly you know comp sci math, some crypto, some model theory, uh, and then you know some basic set theory. You know, and builds up you know, starts from some basic value. When he was doing his crypto section, it was great. He started from the basic idea of, like, rot 13, just rotation 13. Uh, You know, you rotate every letter 13 places. And then he built all the way up to RSA with a huge amount of articles. Articles are very in-depth, very well written. I think people should go uh, uh, check them out. But uh, he also, it's called good math, bad math. So he writes the good math, and then he spends a good amount of his time debunking really bad mathematics like he really let bill o'reilly have it one day for a ridiculous life expectancy thing which we'll get into but so, we're talking about so Cantor like, right now so
1: he's like batman you know uh more
0: like of, of the math world. more like a a ponytailed version of a mathematical hitchens uh you know christopher hitchens famous atheist writer constantly bitching at religious people uh he's also a bit of a crank himself but <laughs> he constantly debunks bad science it's one of the things that christopher hitchin does and dawkins does as well they both do a lot of it uh except this guy is not nearly as crazy as uh those guys are as as much as i tend to agree with them on a lot of things they are actually too hyperbolic okay seriously that's a callback i'm not even gonna get a laugh from
1: that <laughs> Well, you know,
0: I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and so it, he recently or not recently. Let's check the actual date of this. Uh, it was the last thing that pop. No, this was recently on March 9th, He wrote about a uh, new piece of Cantor crankery that he had found. This one from J. A. Perez, uh, and as he said, uh, he's he's Mark Chu Carroll's is tired of Cantor crankery. Because I mean, Carroll is very much pro Cantor. He believes in, in Cantor's theories. And so he has debunked Cantor cranks a lot. Uh, but this guy, he decided he was going to look at because he doesn't just claim to uh, refute Cantor, he also claims to refute uh, Gödel, Church, and Turing, among others. And when the guy wrote the paper and put it up on archive, uh, he did not say that he was a professor or a doctor. So this is just a guy literally uh, writing something that uh, he claims works. So uh, what what Perez ends up saying is uh, that there's a difference in contradictions. He claims that there's two things. There's an internal contradiction And an external contradiction. And uh, Perez goes on to claim that external contradictions are what you can use to uh, prove theorems. So when you do proof by contradiction, you can only use something called an external contradiction. Where you start with a statement, uh, and then you show that it is, um, you start with a statement you want to do is true, assume that not that statement, and then you show that that can't happen, therefore that statement is true. Your basic proof by contradiction. We're, we're well aware of that, right?
1: His mom's an external contradiction.
0: <laughs> and so he claims that both Cantor and Girl use internal contradiction. Uh, Perez claims in these proofs, you start with the statement you want to prove, P. And then you negate P. And by using not P, you can derive a proof that P is true. So not P is used to derive P. So instead of not P deriving uh, a contradiction, not P is used to derive not P and P which is utter crap like how is that how can you possibly think that that is a way of going about mathematics
1: yeah I mean these are firm things in in first order logic
2: well I mean another view of it is that this guy's blog goes into it a big deal we're talking about it now so this guy Perez has just gotten a lot of publicity
0: uh he got a lot of publicity when he was on good math bad math uh huh uh if if you think of that as order, publicity, good math, bad math, right. we don't count.
2: Well, I understand that. You know, but in the math it's, world... It's order,
0: you know, you have N I mean, squared plus N plus 5. It's just order N squared. Right. We're that 5.
2: Right. No, I understand that. But in the math world, I mean, what there is no publicity in the math world. I mean, you have to uh, refuse a million dollar prize before, you know, people will, you know, take notice. So, you know, as far as the math world goes, I mean, great. You know, I should go troll that guy's blog and, you know, watch him, you know, tear whatever random stuff <laughs> I say apart. You know, it'd be uh, good
0: fun. Now, here's, here's another Cantor Crank, also from Good Math, Bad Math. This one's a professor, okay. Professor Wilderberger. So, so this is useful. That's fake. useful. Yeah. And so he made this is actually a quote from Wilderberger Modern mathematics doesn't make complete sense. The unfortunate consequences include difficulty in deciding what to teach and how to teach it, many papers that are logically flawed, the challenge of recruiting young people to the subject, and an unfortunate teetering on the brink of irrelevance. If mathematics made complete sense, it would be a lot easier to teach and a lot easier to
1: learn. Fuck you and read Girdle. This guy sounds just, you know, I, I doubt he's a PhD. I think he's just a janitor at a school where <laughs> kids are just getting frustrated that they're not learning the math and just hey, throwing their milk if, at them. If I learned anything from Goodwill
0: hunting, it's that janitors at schools are really kind of passable at entry level so, so graph series. Because so oh, once again, that shit was not actually hard mathematics.
1: So so now he's Goodwill hunting status. <laughs>
0: No, even Goodwill Hunting probably understood that mathematics can't make complete sense. It's incomplete by nature. We have a proof that actually does not rely on Cantor. So this guy was a a, a, a girdle crank, not a Cantor crank, because girdle's proof does not rely on, it, it just relies on the existence of an axiomatic system, because it proves that no axiomatic system uh, can prove everything. There will always be disproved things. So now let's go into an area of of another area of pseudo math and bad math that I think that is is uh, sadly really really unfortunate uh, for the world, and that is all of the bad math in mass media. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You you both huff. So give me your favorite example of bad math in media.
2: Uh, just, uh, I was just going to say polls. You know where they're like, oh, we've pulled. Uh, you know, 43 people. <laughs> My, and, and and 54% approve of this and 46% don't, and therefore, you yeah, know, I mean, most people
0: statistically, don't. Statistically, polls can be very useful. I mean, uh, we were talking before we started recording about Nate Silver from 538. Yes. His work is incredibly useful because he understands statistics, he understands mathematics. Right. And he makes sure that he only uses polls and he gives more relevance to the polls that are done in a mathematically consistent way. Mm-hmm. But the media really likes to say, well, according to this poll that we put on our website, this is true. Right. Which has so many faults. One, it's probably not a represent- it's not representative. Right. It's-, it's not random. It's self-selecting. Mm-hmm. And they uh, f- always forget to point out that their margin of error is probably like plus or minus 20%. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about, what about you, Sean?
1: Um, well...
0: Or did uh, Eric, Eric, did Eric uh, Everstein over there uh, <laughs> step all over you?
1: Well, you know, um, whenever... I don't know if you guys ever heard of Mexican Train, but it's this domino game. No, no, I have dad. not. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad, who thinks he knows... And, you know, dad, I'm sorry. But who thinks he knows what statistics is, are... Well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, he He tries to 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 count how many dominoes are on the board, and then count how many he has, and then a specific domino he he sees most frequently. You know, he's he's uh, he's saying to himself, "Well, okay, if uh, if there are all these dominoes on here, and I have a couple, then there's no way he's got to have one." Sackbale! I'll put this one. But what he doesn't realize is that. the dominoes let's say 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 not your regular dominoes they're they're not equal so there are not as many ones as there are tens so even though he's counting like five tens on the board there's still like a good 30 but in and and even though there are fewer ones on the board Percentage-wise, there there are still more ones on the yeah, board so, I mean, than just there are fives. Your
0: basic misunderstanding of probability.
1: It, it, <sighs> oh, probability. It's, it's always getting a bad rap, but, you know.
0: Yeah. One of, uh, one of my least favorite is the uh, the surge of infographics.
2: Infographics.
0: Infographics. You yeah, see info... Find do define
2: that.
0: Uh, infographics. I mean, it, your basic idea, you know, bar graph is an infographic. Oh, okay. So it's a graphic that... It has information embedded in it. Okay. But they've been getting a lot more, you know, graphically nice. Uh, we can thank Edward R. Tuft for that. Uh, he wrote uh, On uh, Visualizing Quantitative Information, I think, is the book. It's a fantastic book, beautiful and very well written. It's. I was really happy when I started reading it. Uh, but it, because of that, and there's a lot of big push, especially I think it – I really feel it started with, like, USA Today and their little thing that's always in the bottom part of the front page. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always, like, it's supposed to look, you know, really cool. And uh, one of the things that has happened a lot recently is maps with, like, circles on it to, you know, try to, you know, and that's to represent the total amount of something. At least that's the way, that's the impression that they give. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's a bigger circle, you know, that means more things are going on.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, if you're a mathematician, you'll look at it and think, oh, these are probably only respective to each other. So, you know, like the really small one doesn't mean that it happens almost never. It means that it happens almost never in comparison with the place where it happens all the time because there's a big one. But most people will look at things like this and since they never give a good write-up and these things are very confusing in general, they'll think like, oh, it almost never happens here.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, say, you know, like a, pr- a crime one would be a good one. So, it, and because it's in comparison... Uh, you know say that we're in a place like Sweden, mm-hmm. you know, Sweden has almost no murders. It's you know, like thirteen murders or something ridiculous like that a year. It's 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 really tiny. Mm-hmm. So if you have a town it's like a cold. city that has <laughs> a city that has like three or four murders, like Stockholm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Stockholm's the I believe it's the largest city in Sweden, and uh, you know there's probably a large amount of the murders that happen in Sweden probably happen in Stockholm. And then if you did a graphic like this where you just put a circle, like, say, of, of radius one, uh, you know, it start off with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, like, one in the middle has radius one. Mm-hmm. So say that's a town that has uh, two murders. And then the places where there's one, mm-hmm. you put one that's half the size. And then you say of Stockholm, which, say, has eight. And it's fucking enormous. Right. They, because it would be, you know, four times the size of the radius one circle, right. and so people would look at that and be like, "Oh my God, Stockholm is incredibly dangerous."
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Whereas if they were able to actually decode the data, or if the person making that graphic ever once tried to explain what the fuck the data was. Then uh, they might actually be able to understand yeah, it.
2: Yeah, I think that leads uh, into another way it's, uh, those graphics are misrepresented is for I think a lot of places if they were to have a circle which represents eight and they wanted to make a circle that represented four they wouldn't make it half the area. They'd probably make it half half the, the radius diameter or radius exactly yeah. and be about a fourth the size and that would exactly and people who are looking at it and judging based on visual you know, data there, they think it's a lot smaller.
1: Yeah, well,
0: um, and that, yeah, that's another thing. They, they don't, they scale it down in the wrong way.
1: Are you saying exactly. that the media tries to place bias? I don't in... think
0: that they do. Like, <laughs> I, I a don't, lot of people just don't know how to. Yeah, I, I don't that think correctly. that in this case, it, of course the media, you know, the media, especially United States media, but other medias as well, live on bias. I mean, that, that's a big thing. I mean, the, the conservatives and liberals are both at fault for this. I mean, all you have to do is watch Fox News and then watch MSNBC and then perhaps read the BBC News feed on the same stories. Yes. And you'll understand that both of those groups are incredibly biased. <laughs> now, I have my own personal biases and everything. So one of those biases, uh, one of those news channels bothers me less. And I'm going to talk about the one that bothers me more now. Uh, and it, but, no, in, in general, what, what we are just saying, I think that that's just stupidity. It's not understanding that area and radius are two different things.
2: Well, I mean, there also is things that might be biased. For example, you know, people talk about, you know, maybe unemployment rates or, you know, how how the uh, housing market has gone up or down Um, and they have graphs, but they don't start at zero. You know, they might, you know, let's say they have the housing market, it might start 250000 they go, okay, this house went from 300000 to 250000 It They don't show a one-sixth drop in the height, it yeah. goes from, like, all the way up to all the way down, exactly, yeah. as if it's, like, worthless now. Yeah, and um,
0: uh, another so. one, I mean, I'm going to tell an example from Fox News now, uh, from Bill O'Reilly, who... It consistently misrepresents things uh, yes, all the time. Yes. I mean, it's I. I don't care if you do happen to be a conservative. He does misrepresent things, just like I will admit that. Uh, you know, I'm just, just quid pro, pro quo, so you can get a liberal, Moore. Uh, a liberal, a uh, liberal. Yeah, Michael Moore. <laughs> I, I was I was just going to go for the equivalent, which would be Olbermann. because okay. I wasn't talking okay. about Glenn Beck. Glenn guess, Beck and Michael he, Moore are about equivalent,
1: but but Olbermann has such nice ties. Oberman does
0: have nicer. Oberman is a much better dresser.
2: Oh, yeah. I was having a discussion. Was he the one whose mother got hit in the chest by Chuck Knobloch's throws back in the late 90s? What? You just <laughs> Olbermann. Because I, I, I was just having a discussion. Was it Keith Oberman? Recently. Really? Yes. I was just having this discussion recently, so it was since we brought up his name, yeah. Oh, because Czech Novak is having his throwing issues. He was Yeah, baseman, yeah, we were we were telling and then, then hurl it like into <laughs> the stands. I think it was Keith Olverman's mom okay. got like hit in the chest.
0: Well, okay. I will I will have to look that up, You'll and if that up. was true, okay. I will put it. I will put a video of, of it up on the website, which you can find at acmescience.com. Okay. Okay. So this was uh, this was during the whole healthcare de- debate debacle, uh, pissing contest, whatever you want to call it, because mm-hmm. it was all of those things. Um, And there was a a story came out uh, that, you know, really riled up uh, the people at Fox News because uh, it turns out the Canadian life expectancy is higher than the United States life expectancy, which, uh-oh, oh, oh my God, uh, because, you know, they have socialized medicine, so it's going to be a horrible thing. But don't worry. Olbermann came to the rescue with some amazing bad math to solve this problem. And his (laughs) bad math was, well, we have ten times as many people in the United States. Therefore, we are ten times as likely to have deaths uh, with accidents and crimes. <laughs> so, because we have a higher population, that means more people die die younger due to accidents, which translates to a a, a lower life expectancy. Doesn't really understand the idea of averaging. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: which is another area that is constantly misinterpreted. And this it's was a dir- this was
1: a direct quote from Keith Olbermann.
0: No, no, this was a direct quote from Bill O'Reilly. Direct quote no. was actually, well, that's to be expected, Peter, because we have ten times as many people as you do. This That translates to ten times as many accidents, crimes down the line. That is a direct quote. <sighs> that is directly very bad math. And you know what? I uh, kind of like making O'Reilly look like a fool. Uh, so I'm going to stop this podcast there. So we've been talking about... Bad math. Uh, bad is also an adjective that you can use to describe the quality of combinations and permutations. Uh, and so for Eric Everstein, Sean yep. Nahara, and myself, Samuel Hansen, uh Yeah. Well, that right there is the end of another episode of Combinations and Permutations. If you want to get a hold of me, leave any feedback, perhaps suggest a topic for us to talk about later on in this run of Combinations and Permutations, email me at samuel at acmescience.com. The theme music is, as it always is, from SP12. You can find them over at opsound.org. You want to find links and discussion about this episode, you can go to acmescience.com or acmescience.com slash forum. Also, it's a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License podcast. So take Eric's voice of him saying really stupid things. Let's let's be honest. Eric it does not say the smartest things, and make him sound smart. Make him sound Like the genius that I really wish that, say, I was. And then just say you got it from combinations and permutations and share it with everybody else just like we're sharing this with you. Really, please do that. Put up a link. Acmescience.com slash forum. Put up a link there. Thanks for listening.